Hey, welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of Dad's Right, and we're happy to be joined by one of Dylan's best friends, Beverly Rockwell. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm in my pajamas, so really not bad at all. I'm glad that you were willing to come on because we hadn't had a guest in a very long time. And I I thought it was about time we had a guest. And I thought maybe we should hear from somebody who isn't like a white man. (laughs) Wow. You'll just get a white woman instead. So, you know, almost almost there. (laughs) It's a step up. Plus, people are just bored of us. Yeah, exactly. We need I'll to provide, get people. I'll, I'll provide a little bit of variety, a little bit of zhuzh, you know? Some spice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> spice yes. up the podcast. Exactly. Try to attract some new viewers. We have. What uh-oh. are you doing, Dylan? I'm sorry. I mean, I nobody can my... see us, but what are you doing? My computer was dying, so I had to get the. Oh, okay. Luggy thing. I thought you were going to be doing yoga while we did it. No, 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 no. That's tomorrow's class. Anyway, so good times, bad times, diving in. My first thing is, I guess, a good time, though I struggle to feel good about it because the U.S. is going to send us 1.5 million AstraZeneca COVID vaccines, which is good because we need them. And it's a third boost from what we already have vaccinated. So it's a pretty big chunk. But I struggle to feel good about it because it's just sad that we need it. Also, it's the vaccine that nobody wants. Yeah. They probably can't give it away in the States. So they're like, ah, just send it to Canada. Yeah. And I'm sad when the U.S. is more organized than us. I feel like some, like, we're so behind. What happened? Yeah. A combination yeah. of many, many things. Most of them being the politicians in the province and provincially and federally. However, the NWT's in good shape. We are. Well, it's we're we're all considered high risk, right? So like if we ever got um thank you, Government of Canada, because if we ever got any COVID breakout at all, we would be devastated. Like the territory would be like all 44,000 of us would be dead, right? Like, that's really the that's an extreme, but that's really what would happen. So, and then, of course, if people were in the ICU, then a lot of them would have to get medevac to Edmonton. So then Edmonton has to deal with two provinces worth of COVID breakouts instead of just one province's worth. So anyway, we're considered high risk. So all of the territories um, are able to get vaccinated if you're over the age of 18. Point blank period, no other requirements. So, Which one did you get? I got Moderna. Nice. That's the best flavor. <laughs> Thank God. I did not. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, in my brain, Moderna is the better one yeah. than AstraZeneca. Uh, I think it's the best flavor, too. Although, I, yeah. I, Johnson & Johnson is the one I want because you only need one of them. Mm. Have you got both already? That? Are you, like, double, double done? You're done? No. Oh. I, just, I just have the first one. I got it uh, last, last Wednesday, I think, so last week. I have to wait my 28 days to get the second shot, right. so that's on April 7th. Okay. Cool. I don't yeah. think I can even get one until earliest late June, like my first wow. one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Alberta's a disaster. 
You might be they home by then. They were like, that's why they had to make sure that everyone in Northwest Territories got vaccinated. Because they were like, if we have to send people to Alberta, like, Jason Kenney's just going to screw that up. It's very true. And also, like, we have a lot of, um, a lot of the mine workers aren't from the NWT. So we had to vaccinate everyone that was in, that work in the mines because they're out of province people that come to the, to the NWT. Maybe get a part-time job there to get a vaccination. Yeah, really. I mean, exactly. Well, maybe with these U.S. doses, we'll be able to get a few more people at least. Um, Maybe a little bit faster. We'll see. I still wish we didn't need it from the U.S. I hate when the U.S. is doing better at things than we are. But moving on, (laughs) Germany and Canada signed a memorandum of understanding uh, earlier this week outlining a plan to cooperate on energy policy and research as both countries strive to reach the goal of net zero carbon emissions by 2050 with a focus on green hydrogen. And that's great. Green initiatives are great. I'm glad we're working internationally. I don't know why Germany seems kind of like a random country. Yeah, well, like, I mean, like, it's it's probably the most, I mean, I mean they're, they're the biggest economy in Europe, right? Yeah, so true. and they're probably and they're very like I don't know I, I feel similar like economically similar to Canada in my brain at least. The, the, well, yeah, I don't. Know. This is a good question though. I mean, I, you wonder what, but I think it's probably just just the the money behind Germany that you want to line up with rather than you know what are you gonna like you're gonna you're gonna partner with Greece like they have no like what are they gonna do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well. There's, all, there's always the option of um, the UK, which is actually um, the uh, fastest decarbonizing country in the G7. Is that a word? Yes. Okay. Well, they probably <laughs> don't want the anchor of Canada on their back. Uh, maybe. Or Germany. That's <laughs> so Germany and I, us and Germany, we're going to pull ourselves up together. Hopefully, you yeah. know, teamwork it makes the dream work. So <laughs> better, better doing it with a friend than alone, right? Yes, that is true. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I generally think the government in Germany is more competent than ours, and uh, the Greens are actually polling in first place over there um, for their next election. So it looks like they might make it into government. And is that because if that, Andrea Merkel's uh, done? Yeah, she was retiring. Yeah. So, you know, if they make it into into government, maybe they'll help us move forward a smidge. Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, I mean, getting a little desperate. I saw um, a poll the other day that was something like the most important issues to Canadians. And healthcare was first, and I was happy to see that. But environment was like fourth or fifth, with only 7% rating it as their first priority. And that's not high enough. Like, I understand we're a little pandemic distracted, and that does need to be dealt with. But in the long term, the damage being done to our atmosphere and our planet environmentally is going to be much worse than the pandemic. Well, and, and that really needs to be first or second priority right now. What was second or third? Like, the economy was second? Uh, yeah, the top three were healthcare, COVID, and the economy, I think. I would argue healthcare and COVID are the same thing. Well, like, maybe like COVID is mean, a subsection the of differentiation. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the maybe the differentiation is because 
COVID has really shown, A, the cracks and the successes in our healthcare system. So maybe people are saying, you know what, let's overhaul, let's change things up here. It's not a bad but plan. COVID, and then, well, yeah. <laughs> and then let's focus on, like, let's, let's look at healthcare in general, because that spans a lot of things. And then COVID is like, how is my province's precautions? In Alberta, they're shit. So, you know, like, I kind of, I kind of see the differentiation. Maybe. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, healthcare was an issue that was kind of coming into the light before COVID. And then COVID really skyrocketed it because there were so many newly elected conservative premiers that were making huge cuts to healthcare. And mm-hmm. um, we were, you know, in the NDP on the federal level, we're trying to make it a really big issue. And then COVID came in like, really exposed all the flaws. So I agree. I think it is a bit of a separate issue because if I think of healthcare as an issue, I think of it as before and going beyond COVID and the issues Mm -hmm. within it that are separate from COVID. BC and AC. Yes. Yeah, truly. Yes. (laughs) Actually, you could go go BC and AD if you said after disease and then it's just like, it's just like now we just restart the calendar. Truly, year zero. Here we go. Honestly, we could use a good reset. Well, we could use 2020 as year zero. Yeah. And then just use this as year one. Done. Right. One. Yeah. There we go. Easier to write the date. Yeah, exactly. Save a fortune in ink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anywho, that kind of. um, That went somewhere to a point that I don't even have, but those are my two good times. Uh, Who would like to go next? Go ahead, Bev. Okay, I'll go next. Mine, I was looking over this outline of what you guys were written, and I was like, well, mine's are all left field from what you guys were talking about. But in my good times, one of, I watched the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK finale on Thursday. Well, it was actually yesterday because I was working on Thursday. And one of my favorite contestants won, who's Scottish. So that was very exciting. Good, good for uh, bonnie old Scotland. Hey. I thought another. I you, y'all have not seen the show, so I won't. I won't get too much into the politics of it. But I thought another queen who was kind of doing a trajectory like this or an upward trajectory consistently over the course of the competition was going to win it because she had won more challenges than the other person that actually won, and that person's trajectory kind of like plateaued in the middle of the season. But they were two, they were my two favorites, so I was happy that one of them won. Either way, yeah. Um, Either way, I was happy. And then I'm also late to the jump on this, but my, another good time, good times for me. Uh, I watched Wandavision in about twelve hours. Um, <laughs> you guys have both seen Wandavision, right? I, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, you haven't. No. Oh my goodness, you it's guys! It's on the should, list, but I haven't. Yeah, you should watch. It's so it, there's only nine episodes, and they're only half an hour long. So like, it's really easy to just like snap through all of them. Great binge. Um, it has a right amount of camp and a right amount of super classic superhero action. And it's blend. It's like so good. It's blended superbly with like TV style. And it has an amazing, amazing story set up for the rest of the trajectory that Marvel is going to pass on to their, their, their next like phases. I thought, I thought I was okay. I thought I was done with Marvel after Endgame. I was like, okay, cool. This phase is over. I might watch a couple more of the movies, but I'll like eventually peter out. No, WandaVision got me hooked. You're I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for all the content we got involved. <laughs> I heard, Honestly, I admire their marketing plan so much. 
I heard uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is pretty good too. Yeah, I haven't seen that either, but I, that's, I'm probably going to, once Wait. we get off of this, I'm probably going to go turn that on, yeah. That's out? Yeah, Madeline's seen yeah. some of it. Oh, I had no idea, man. Yeah. I heard the first couple episodes of WandaVision aren't great, but then it takes off. See, the thing is, I think with WandaVision, um, it, they set up the show like classic old TV, and you don't, and okay, so I, like I don't want to spoil it for you, but... There, but this is how it is. Like about, but <laughs> I'm gonna spoil the whole thing. So the first couple episodes, you kind of see this reality that seems fake and very like they. Each episode goes to a different um, era. So there, the, it starts in the 50s, then 60s, then 70s, 80s, 90s, and then up to the like today in TV show style. So like what what TV shows would have looked like right. and you look like now. And then throughout halfway, the reality in which they set it up starts to deteriorate. So that's why I can see why people would say that the first couple aren't as good as uh, the okay. rest of it. They really get into the meat, but the pretense is set up in the first couple. And I gotcha. love the style and like the the, the context that right. they provide. So I can see why people say that, but I think that the, it's all good. And it's really easy to watch. So the first episode's like Leave it to Beaver, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and kind of like it kind of reminds me of um, Bewitched. I don't know if you've seen yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because With all it's the basically Wanda, yeah. yeah, it's Wanda Maximoff and Vision, like as their superhero selves in this fifties reality. So it's basically Bewitched, where like she's like trying to, and they have all of like the TV um, magic, like they did in the fifties right. or whatever. Cool. Uh, and then yeah and their costumes change every episode very good very cool i'll have to watch it it is on the list i'm bad at I, i'm bad at tv when i'm not at home yeah i'm bad at tv too I'm, I don't, yeah I don't. i'm really yeah i'm usually really bad at tv as well and then amelia said to me amelia's my roommate um for, for those who are listening that don't know and she said uh beverly you have to watch it and i was like yeah it's on my list and then i was like okay just watch one episode and then 12 hours later i finished the whole thing so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it for me those are my good times right. I have a question though before we go what you said you were at work the other day where are you working oh I work at a restaurant called Copper House and uh, okay, I yeah, also yeah. work at, yeah. yeah I also work at a health clinic um, called uh, Yellowknife Physiotherapy so I work at a phys- I'm a receptionist at a physiotherapist clinic okay Copper House is pretty good oh yeah their I love pizza's their good I had to work yeah yeah, their pizza's really good. And I had to work brunch today, and I ate my favorite thing, which is the brisket hash. Nice. Which is so delicious. I had breakfast pierogies at my brunch today. Ooh. They were tasty. Those were, yeah. Y'all are making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had a great dinner at a, at a Mexican place. Really good burrito. Really good burrito. Oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, I sticking... I had a sandwich a few hours ago. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. <laughs> funny my first time is my first good time is also marvel marvel is introducing a new lgbtq hero into the captain america world stands for the oppressed and the forgotten the name's going to be aaron fisher and is known as the captain america of railway railways which i don't really get time to coincide with pride month in june overall it's a good thing but they it's like i don't know if you've seen the picture or anything but they put it put him in in overalls and like it's just like seems a little bit stereotypical and also captain mm. america of railroads but give it a shot who knows maybe it's good 
Yeah, totally. Captain America of Railroads? That's what it said. Railways, maybe? Like, he is to railways what Captain America is to America? I don't know. I guess. Like, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me either. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I just wrote down what I read. I don't know. I, and, the, uh, like, and the it's like a littlest hobo or something. I don't know. It sounds like the yeah. worst superhero. I do, I don't know. Maybe railways are in crisis. In this, like I feel like they're not even trying. <laughs> it does feel like they just want the representation points, but they're not going to make them cool. No, or <laughs> it might see. be like a complete throw off. They might just be like, "This is what it might be," and then like one eighty complete different direction. Who hopefully. knows? Yeah, hopefully. I don't put I don't put anything past Marvel and their marketing team nowadays. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, comes out. Yeah, totally. The mayor of Chicago uh, w- was insisting that it's a tradition in Chicago that they dye the river green on St. Patrick's Day, which I don't know overall if that's a good thing. It feels like it's probably not, but but I, you know, I would, I would environmentally, probably, yeah. but I, I, like it feels like a lot of dye. I don't know how they do it. Maybe it's maybe it's. Let's just assume it's purely biological, biodegradable, and there's no issues that way. But yeah, he said sure, this year because of COVID, he wasn't going to do it because he didn't want people gathering and stuff, so he wasn't going to dye it. But then come St. Patrick's Day, they dyed it green. Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, said they just didn't want to have too many crowds. That's why they sort of did it this way. But uh, it's a 60-year tradition, so it's nice to see that COVID didn't break that up. That's a great name, Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. I don't know if is there any relation to Gord. That that sounds like uh, a, a DC Marvel name. superhero. Yeah, That's, yeah, oh, yeah, DC, yeah. Marvel name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Peter Parker and yeah, James Jonah Jameson Jr. and all that stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. maybe that's the maybe that's the layman name for the uh, Captain America of the Railways. That's you know, <laughs> you never good know. Idea. That's a good idea. We should let them suggest oh. that to to <laughs> Mister. I don't know whoever writes Marvel these days. Disney, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hello, Disney executive. <laughs> and and some states now are thinking that uh, maybe they'll put in a waiting period before you buy a gun, which seems yeah, good idea. <laughs> a little late to the party on that one, but yeah, well done, good thought. Because they're saying, oh, geez, maybe if this guy had to wait, the the you know the guy that went in and shot up the the spas, the spas, yeah. He just he bought the gun that day like he just fill out the paperwork and you get the gun and then he went and did it and there's like maybe if he had to wait a week and a half he might have cooled down a bit yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> no kidding yeah maybe maybe <laughs> oh yeah anyway well you know that kind of goes into my bad time how much i don't remember hey, how just much a second cover- this this has been like really smooth it's almost like we did it on purpose which we totally did not <laughs> like Marvel to Marvel, shootings to shoot. Anyway, shootings to shootings. What a great chance! <laughs> what are you doing to your mic, Dell? You got to keep it steady. I am on a bed. It is not easy to keep things steady. Uh, you got to do it at your desk or something. I'm it's on crazy. a bed and I'm keeping things steady. So you have no excuse, my man. Are you, are you using an external mic? No. Yeah. Oh, oh come on. Okay. Don't you have a nightstand or something? You can just stick the external mic on the nightstand. It, the, the cord doesn't reach. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Excuses. <laughs> can grab a book. Stick the mic on the book. Yes. Eh, maybe next time. 
I've moved it a little further away from me, right. so that so that if I move, it might move less. Is that a Starbucks cup you were drinking from, Beth? Uh, no, just oh. from the grocery store. Oh, okay. But I am an adult child, so I would like. I wanted a sippy cup. I have one. <laughs> wow, twins! Look at that. I just have a glass because I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, shootings. <laughs> how, on. how much should we cover the shootings in Atlanta last week, Dad? Almost zero. Well, absolutely. Yeah, we should zero. have done that. Yeah. I think it, it happened that? either that day or the day before, and we just missed it. Yeah. I hadn't I re- read about it yet or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess, you know, quick recap a man went and shot uh, uh, a few spas, uh, killing eight people, six of which were six of which were Asian. Were they all women? I believe so. No? Six were, okay, yeah. So six Asian women. And then what I have specifically in this bad time story, that is obviously a bad time in itself and it's horrible. What I have specifically as a bad time in this story is that the police are not pursuing hate crime charges because the shooter said it wasn't racially motivated and that he was just having a bad day. I mean, I've had a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, Yeah. He also, he might have said it had something to do, I can't remember off the top of my head, because I was specifically, I was just so baffled by the fact that they said they weren't pursuing hate crime charges. But if I remember correctly, he might have said that it was gender motivated which is not better no no um (laughs) either way they like clearly how is that still not a hate crime yeah it seems like he must not have said that oh if you were just shooting women it's that's okay (laughs) that's just a regular shooting you know it is georgia so yeah Mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised if that's the way the justice department looked at it especially with all the anti-abortion stuff going on yeah did you um is, is are we talking about that at any point uh i don't remember i thought i saw you write it down uh maybe i don't remember either but the mayor of, or the sorry this governor i think of georgia today was saying how he knows it's not constitutional it's just a law to to go to the supreme court like they're just trying to get this to the supreme court that was arkansas oh you're right that was arkansas yeah but the, all but the laws, I, there's 11 states doing it, and they're all doing it for the same reason, trying to get it to the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Sorry, anyway, um, go ahead. Yes, anyway, it's a horrible thing, and, you know, there's been increased... I just find it difficult to believe that it wasn't racially motivated because, of because obviously, you know, six of the people killed were Asian women, and then also that, you know, there has been such an uptick in violent crime, hate crime against the Asian population since... COVID started and said it was so fueled by Trump's narrative for so long that, you know, I just, it's strange because I don't see why if he was committing a hate crime, he'd try to look better, you know, after he killed eight people. And it's like, oh no, it wasn't because, so like that part makes me think maybe it wasn't, but just the fact, all the other facts of the case and the events make me think it had to have been, it had to have been racially motivated. If it was, uh, I don't know if the punishment's different. Probably. I mean, either way, he killed eight people. He's going to go to jail for a while. Yeah, uh-huh. like I feel like I feel like the concerning fact 
is obviously that he was like, it's not racially motivated, but then six out of the eight were Asian women and that they were women, so it could be gender motivated. But also the fact that he was like, yeah, I just killed eight people. I was just having a bad day. Like that, it probably should be the concerning thought that this guy is just walking around like, "Mm, I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to go murder eight people. Yeah. What? Yeah. How's that? What's it? That, how's that your go-to for a bad day? Like, just go to a bar exactly. and have a couple drinks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Have, have junk food for if you want to commit, yeah. a, If you want to commit a crime, like, I don't know, get a DUI or something? Like, yeah. th- like, there's a scale of, like, murder to having a bad day that I think was jumped here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels like anyway. a couple steps got missed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Either way, it's a horrible thing, and I hate that the police department in Atlanta does not seem to be taking it seriously enough. Anywho, next story, Nazis. And not the type that we've been talking about recently with the tiki torches and the Trump flags, the German kind from, you know, the war that happened. The classic, the original blueprint for the Nazis. Yeah, exactly. The classic Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) the neo-Nazi. Yeah. Helmet it's like the new Coke Coke. and then classic Coke. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a man named Helmut Oberlander moved to Canada from Germany in 1945 and has lived in Waterloo ever since. He became a successful developer and community leader until it turns out that he had been a Nazi and then people didn't like him as much. A little less. A little less when they found out that he had been a Nazi. This sto- the current story kind of began in 1963 when the RCMP quietly started to file on him after receiving information from New York that he might have been a Nazi. And uh, he would, he went, he like, he faced questions and everything and, and forever he was just allowed to kind of stick around even though he was being watched. Until 1985, when Canada created the Commission of Inquiry on War Criminals, which started uh, an exhaustive review of potential war criminals living in the country. It took 58 years to figure out this guy was a Nazi? Uh, A little bit longer than that. So they started to pursue him, but then a Quebec judge ruled that no prosecution should be started against him because German investigators failed to prove that he took part in any war crimes. But... He was stripped of his citizenship because he did not divulge his membership in the SS to immigration officials. In 1995... Was that a a checkbox on the customs forms back then? (laughs) (laughs) Part of the German Secret Service during the war. Yes, I'm sorry, Buchanan. (laughs) I wonder how many people were honest about that. Yeah, I'm thinking zero. (laughs) Oh, by the way... Yeah. I just want to mention, I was a Nazi. <laughs> it's a little oh, thing. Little thing. Little it's thing. Kind of inconsequential, you know. It's just a little fun little fact about yeah. myself. Let's all go around and share one fun fact. <laughs> yes. I was a Nazi. Your turn. <laughs> but, yeah, so 1995 was that. So this, this investigation started in the 60s, but it didn't become public until 95 when... Um, Canada started proceedings to kick him out as uh, because his Canadian citizenship was revoked. He was technically an immigrant and they tried to deport him. Three times it was overturned by the Federal Court of Appeal but it was finally quashed in 2019. 
So now, Overlander, who is 97, is awaiting an immigration hearing, which has been delayed because of complications around COVID and a hearing disability that prevented him from fully communicating with his lawyer. So on Thursday, his lawyer filed a motion to permanently stay the proceedings against his client, alleging that he had new evidence that the government withheld important evidence. And it's now up to the judge to consider the motion. What was the evidence? Uh, We don't know yet. Oh. So I just think that it shouldn't take us, like, what, 70 years to kick out Nazis? I think it's 58, isn't it, from the 60s? Um, 63 to 2021. Oh, 63, yeah, 58 years. Okay, well, I still think it shouldn't take us that long. It shouldn't be that hard to kick out Nazis, you know? It's a long time. It is. Yeah. A long time. And I guess he's just chilling in Waterloo right now, which is not great. Yeah, at, at this point, though, I, I mean, he's 97. It almost feels like it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, this, like you like missed the opportunity. Like, like <laughs> what's the point? He's enjoyed his life here. He's 97. Yeah. I kind of just like everybody knows now he's probably not going to be his last few years probably won't be super great like what's the point I don't know maybe there's still a point I guess also, I guess he's going to drain the health I guess he'll probably be using health care and stuff so might as well get yeah. him out but honestly his name is Helmet Oberlander how much more evidence did you need that he, he was should, a Nazi that's, I was going to say that right <laughs> away it, the first thing he should have done is change his name yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. that's the most stereotypical like movie Nazi name I've ever heard. They probably—that's oh, probably how totally. we got away with it. It's like, well, if he was a Nazi, surely he would have changed his name. <laughs> he must be fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. We'll update you next week with either his death or the judge staying the motion. Either one could happen any moment. <laughs> Man's old. Can you imagine? Okay, this is this case is permanently done. Why? What happened? The client's dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he sir died. died at night. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Anywho, moving on. Michael Spavor, one of the Michaels detained in China, had a trial, and really, trial should be in quotes, um, that ended with no ruling. Now, Chinese courts have a 99% conviction rate. So good lawyers. Doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, diplomats were not allowed entry. And diplomats from several uh, countries uh, that allied to us, as well as Canadian diplomats, tried to get access to the courtroom the whole entire time. And they were, not den- and they were denied. And the Canadian diplomat said, it has not been a transparent process. <laughs> In the understatement of the year... Yeah, it's really in China. It hasn't been a yeah. transparent process. Really, yeah. shocking. <laughs> With their government, well, gentlest way to put that. Yeah, yeah, truly. It hasn't been that's the most diplomatic true. answer to put that. Yeah, I, maybe he's good at his job. Maybe yeah. that's actually <laughs> the best answer that he could have given. Totally. So we'll see how that goes. That's sort of. That's that's the story, and we're just waiting for updates. But this story I found was interesting, and it's not entirely new, so I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it. 
but it's really it's rare all those all those people out there who are bored with covid um public health canadian public health is closely monitoring a cluster of more than 40 new brunswick patients with symptoms similar to those of a disease which i cannot pronounce but will try Krautsfeld jacob i think jacob? that's i think that's pretty close i think it's jacob yeah okay i think it's Krautsfeld rare... jacob anyway it's mm-hmm. a rare and fatal brain disease and this disease is similar but not the same um the Office of the Chief Medical Officer of Health uh, to the New Brunswick Medical Society and to associations of doctors and nurses, um, the, the department notes of ex- the existence of a cluster of 42 causes of a progressive neurological syndrome of unknown origin. A first Great. case was diagnosed in 2015. Three years later, in 2019, 11 additional cases were diagnosed with 24 more cases discovered in 2020 and another six since the beginning of 2021 five people have died the disease affects all age groups and is completely concentrated in the acadian peninsula in northeast new brunswick in the moncton region in the southeast the medical officer said we are collaborating with different national groups and experts however no clear cause has been identified at this time according to preliminary data from the research group on the subject headed by a neurologist in moncton the disease is not genetic and could be contracted from water, food, or air. No other cases have been reported in Canada. Well, I certainly wouldn't move there. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that... Well, isn't New, Brunswick, New Brunswick doesn't have much going for it anyway, so now... Uh, yeah. Sorry to all those New Brunswickers, but... I just, I just think it's fun that there's a unknown fatal brain disease completely located within Canada that can be translated through air, water, or uh, the other third one that I forget. Food. Food. Food, yeah. Isn't that fun? Don't get your crabs mm. from, uh, don't get your lobster from New Brunswick. <laughs> also, it's Yeah, so Nova Scotia only. It's so strange that it's completely just located in that slim area and hasn't spread beyond it in six years. Yeah, the weird thing, and also... Even though, yeah. 15 to 19 is four years, not three. But anyway. But there have been cases since 2021. No, but 2015, and then it says three years later in 2019. That's four years later. Yes, and then it said more cases in 2020 and more in 2021. Yeah, but it said a case was first diagnosed in 2015, three years later in 2019. Oh, the article's wrong. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying I was wrong in something. No, it's just four years later. It's bad math. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They're journalists, not mathematicians. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And then, that's, and that's wild that it hasn't spread beyond that. I'm like, my first thought now that we're in this pandemic, I'm like, mm, new pandemic. Here we go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The apocalypse. It's gonna kill everyone. This and then one the other we thought is like, with. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, ah, uh, Canada origin pandemic instead of uh, Chinese origin pandemic. You know, we'll just go through every country in the world. Everyone has a pandemic, and it'll be done. And humanity will be wiped out. Wonderful. Cockroaches will be fine. Oh, yeah. That will be good. Locusts. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Anyway, then I have one more story. And have either of you heard of this? It's kind of a wild story that got internationally reported about um, the York student who lives in Myanmar. No. I haven't heard anything about it. So this is wild. So there's... Beverly, I don't know if you've heard, but there was recently an election in Myanmar 
just to recap, we've talked about it before on the show, but to recap, in case you haven't heard Beverly, there was recently an election in Myanmar. In case Myanmar, you don't listen to or, our show. What? <laughs> the the military didn't like the results, so they overthrew the government, took over and in a military coup, and now there's lots of protests, and 233 people have been killed to date. Um, it's a bit of a mess over there. Classic, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Military coup, military coup protest. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so a student who attends York University in Toronto, lives in Myanmar, went there, um, went, you know, home when COVID started, has been taking on, uh, classes online. So he emails his professor and he says, this sort of like chain, we pick up mid, mid chain, so we don't have the very beginning, but we have the important parts. So the student says, thank you for the extension, professor. I have just learned that from tomorrow, all cellular data, Wi-Fi, and internet services will be cut off indefinitely. Therefore, there will be a total communications blackout. May I please get a deferral for the midterm test too, or could the weight of that be added to my final since I won't be able to give it? The professor responds, hi, there is no deferral. It's transferred to the final exam. Last chance, bad sign. Even the internet came down with COVID-19? And he spelt COVID, capital C, lowercase o, capital V, lowercase i, capital D, 19, um, in a sort of mocking meme way. So the student responds, no, professor, the internet did not come down with COVID-19. There was a military coup where I am living, and almost 200 protesters have been shot up until now. The regime has decided to shut off all communications by tomorrow. Does this mean that now my final exam will be worth 60% of my grade now? The professor responds, something like that to which the student says okay professor thank you so i shouldn't worry if i miss the test tomorrow and the professor says of course you should the next time you miss something it's over by the way your remarks both related to this course and to your home country made me wonder how you understand reality people don't get shot for just protesting but for a lot deeper reasons and with loading everything on the final exam it's going to be tough to pass this course for lack of practice, if nothing else. <laughs> what what's what? he taking? What class? What what class is it? It's a it's a mathematics course. I'm at a loss. Like what? Right. Like, what what emp- what part of your brain that manages empathy did you just shut off <laughs> to like write those emails? People don't get shot for just protesting. Yes, they um, do. Yeah, in the United the States, time. it's it, not even just the military coup thing. It happens in the U.S. I feel like that's got to be fake. It's not. The York, York University has stepped in, like has recognized that it's actually happened. It's been reported internationally on many different news sites. And, and York University, I should mention, is coming to the aid of the student, so the student will be okay. The professor likely not, but it's very much real. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like... That's, it's so absurd, you have to laugh. It's unbelievable. It's it, I just, I still, I'm not sure it's real. I'm still not, I'm not sure it's real. I don't see how that's real. Sorry, but we're going to have the whole communications blackout, um, so I cannot take my midterm tomorrow. Is that okay? The question should not be, um, it might not be okay. The question should be, are you okay that you're in a country that's withholding a regime of a military coup? Like... The, prof- the professor's like, listen, if I gave a deferral for every student who came complaining about a military coup <laughs> exactly. in my own country, no taking <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, my God. I, uh, it's, 
Oh, yeah, That's the classic military coup excuse. So many times. Oh, every yeah. year. I, I every year that. someone tries to pull that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. My God. Oh, anyway, that's what I have for Somebody back. had to hack the professor's email. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> no, he's just a bad person. Uh, that's, yeah, that's fair. Oh, my God. We've spent an hour and we're only just done the first third of bad times. Let's let's get it. Let's keep let's go. Let's keep moving. Who's next? Dev. I'll go next. Yeah, I'll go next because this is kind of based off of um this is going back to the gender based violence thing. I don't know if you guys have talked about this already, so forgive me if you have, but the Sarah Evard case in the UK. We we did we didn't talk about it in detail. Um I, I think we briefly touched on it last week, but neither of us had a lot of details. Okay, well, I looked it up to make it my bad times for today. Sarah Everard was in the UK, and she was walking home uh, in South London at night and then went missing. And then a week later, her body was found 50 miles from where she was last seen. And it was discovered that she was kidnapped and sexually assaulted before being murdered by a police officer. My response to this is that walking home should not be a death sentence. Yeah. And because of her case, it kind of blew up on social media. And so that's when I first kind of heard about it because a lot of women started sharing and, and posting and contributing to the narrative that like, this is, this should not be our normal. Like this, um, walking, you know, walking home with keys between your fingers and pretending to have headphones in, but not listening to anything or making sure you're walking with someone or, um, pretending to be on the phone talking to someone like all of these things that we consider normal um should not be considered normal was the kind of reaction to all of that happening um because literally every woman that every woman that i know and even me personally have have all experienced either a sexual assault b harassment or c the general fear of men at some point or other in our lives um and that one in three women have experienced sexual assault and that's a lot. Like, if I'm sitting in a room, and, like, I have two sisters. If the three of us are sitting there, thank goodness that none of us have been sexually assaulted. But the likelihood of one in three of us having been sexually assaulted or harassed at some point is is high. So, like, that to me just is... Uh, Crazy. It's gross. Yeah. I, one point two, if women make up half the world's population, one in three women report being sexually assaulted, harassed, anything like that. That's 1.3 or 1.24 billion people. And honestly, that I think that's probably on the low end of reality. Yeah. And because, like, like those... so many women don't even, yeah, so many women don't even report their sexual assault because they feel like there's nothing that the institutions or the governments will do about it or the police will do about yeah. it. And that's true. Like the the likelihood of somebody getting convicted for sexual assault, if you even get that far, if if people have believed you enough to get that far, the likelihood of you of somebody being convicted for sexual assault is so low. It's actually a higher chance that you'll be confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is bonk bonkers to me. Yeah. It's plus. I bet you that one in three number is a North American or Western statistic. Oh, probably. Yeah. So, it's it's probably a much higher number than that. Was the was the do you know if like was the police officer in uniform? Because that's even almost war, like no. That's someone what, you he would was, trust, he was, right? Like, 
Mm-hmm. He was a plainclothes officer. Ah. So, yeah. So it lo- he looked like a regular guy. Yeah, but I mean, and also, like, it's, he may have identified himself as a police officer, so you think you're safe. It's, uh, it's just yeah, seems exactly, like a double, exactly. uh, almost doubly, well, I mean, I guess you can't be worse than dead, but. But, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just like this, these are the, yeah, these are the people that, that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, like, lose faith in the police over the fact that it they keep it keeps it keeps happening. Then abuses of power, especially in the policing system, the way that it exists in Western countries is they they just keep happening. And no matter what people say, it just, people keep keep getting attacked by police. They keep getting um, like yes. Anyway, I won't go into that whole debate, hmm. but it just seems like it's. I'm not. I think what I'm just trying to say is that I'm not surprised it was a police officer. And that should surprise me that it's a police officer. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm not surprised. Which sucks. Like we sh- like that shouldn't. Yeah. No. If, be especially a, if he's surprised. Especially if he like you know he, if she was scared of something and he's like oh it's okay I'm a police officer and you know then you think oh thank yeah. goodness I'm safe and then she ends up dead that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get kidnapped, uh, sexually assaulted, and murdered. So like mm. what? <laughs> Yeah. What is yeah. the what again? What is the logical progression there? Like, I guess this guy skipped a couple of steps. Mm. I don't know if there are any steps there. It's just. I guess not. not okay. Yeah. That's all I had for bad time. Yeah. Well, mine's a bit lighter. At least the beginning parts. It would hard to be. It's hard to be darker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we covered shoot, shooting, uh, sexual assault, and murder, and uh, military coups. So is, what do you got, Jim? This is there's a couple of couple of stories. First off, of of just some uh, psycho parents. A mother in Pennsylvania has sent deep fake photos and videos of her teenage daughter's cheerleading cheerleading rivals to their coaches. To try to get them kicked off the team so that her daughter can be on the team. Uh, manipulating photos from social media to make it look like they were drinking, smoking, and even digitally altered them to make the girls appear naked and sent it to the coaches. And 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 then in a, and then another uh, parent and uh, assistant principal and her daughter have been charged with illegally accessing students' computer accounts at a Florida high school. To rig the vote oh, for God. homecoming queen. Oh and my God! Like, why? How are these things that important? I think that America is the only country in the world where you'd get stories like that. Yeah, I hope maybe I don't know. They just have such a weird culture around high school and like high school accolades. Yeah, yeah that is and, like, true. Sports and cheerleading and homecoming queen, all that stuff. Like, it's just so important to them for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps it's because a high school diploma is the highest level of education a lot of them will ever achieve. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't get it. I don't but, get either of them. Like, that's awful. That's awful. Seems like, yeah, it seems like a movie plot. Yeah, both like, of them, right? Yeah, like, come out of a, of a bad movie. Made yeah. for TV movie, totally. though. Not like like a, not a good movie. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. But also, like those those TV movies had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, even if you think of like the 
the the celebrity who faked the college admission for her daughter. I don't know who that was, but like one of the actors from like. like yeah, 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 yeah. And she was from um, Everywhere in the Full House. Um, <laughs> oh, Lori. Yeah. Lori yeah, Lachlan one or whatever? Yeah, daughters in Full House. Yeah. Of course, as an adult, she faked her, like, she she committed, like, institutional, like, education fraud or something to get her daughter into college. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, there was, there, there was actually... Yeah, she she I think she ended up going to jail or something, but people were paying to get their kids into college. That makes yeah. to me that makes more sense than this. You can see the like if you have a dumb kid and you need them to go to school and they can't get in on their own and you have the money, yeah. I get that. You're trying to get your kid educated. Illegal, sure, skipping the line, okay. Elite it's bad, but I understand that. This I don't understand. It's insane to me. Uh, to be on the cheerleading the squad children. and be a, a homecoming queen. Like, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, really. Ron Johnson. We talked about Ron Johnson last week. He's my favorite uh, named senator. And he, like, he has the best name of any senator. He. Uh, we did talk about him last week, right, Dill? Yeah, we did. That's yeah. when we talked about how great his name is, Ron yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Ron so John. last week he said he wasn't ever really worried about his safety because the protesters were, were uh, they loved the country or something like that. But then he would have been worried that they've been Black Lives Matter protesters. So and, and, then, and then he was shocked, shocked to find out people thought it was racist. <laughs> oh, my God. He said it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with riots. So he's a, he's a riot expert now? <laughs> oh, my God. He said, I completely did not anticipate that anybody could interpret what I said as racist. It's not. <laughs> it totally Let me is. Tell you, he might not understand man, what racism is. He might not understand what racism is. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. There's more to that, but I'm going to move on because we've we've been on here a long time. And then Trump has said he's returning to social media with his own platform. I'm sure that'll be a rousing success like Trump University and Trump Steaks and Trump Vodka. Uh, yeah. I still think I still think Trumpeter is the right name to go with. We've talked about it before, but uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> he's been too long off Twitter. Yeah, really. That's true. That's true. Late night hosts are actually late night talk shows are actually having to do work now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The material isn't written for them the night before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh. All all over the world. And uh, Emily. Every time we have a song that plays before All Over the World, our section. And what song is it again, Dad? It's called All Over the World. By? Uh, ELO? No. No. By? It's, uh, I, don't, I don't know who sings. I can't remember who sings it, but it's like, there's a kind of hush all over the world tonight. All over yeah. the world. Anyway. But it doesn't matter because every time, you know, 
my dad introduces the segment. All right, all over the world. In my head, it's going, all over the world. Because of Xanadu, which has permanently ruined me. <laughs> that was seven years ago. That, oh my God. Eight years ago. Eight years ago? When was that? 2014? Seven was years ago. It? Oh my God. Okay. Was, it, yeah. was that your, yeah. was that grade 11? No, it was grade, grade 10. 10. Second musical. Oh, because the uh, first grade, grade 10, 10 was uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yeah. 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 And then you called... Beverly, you referred to Beverly as Ursula for the next year and a half. No. Yeah. For the next yes. eight years. I still do. <laughs> anyway. Everybody is who they were in in that play. <laughs> First impression, that's the only impression. That's right. Never changes. <laughs> nope. Uh, speaking of plays, we're getting a little off topic, and I'll bring us back to it in a moment. But I was talking to Mum about um, the glass menagerie, which is the scene we just finished for our 683s. And this is the first time I talked to her about it. And she started with, so you were good, and then spent seven minutes talking about how good Max and Zach were. (laughs) (laughs) I got a, so you were good, and that was it. (laughs) That's it. Sorry, son. That's all I'm giving you today. It was, uh, it wasn't, yeah, because Zach just had, she thought he had a lot of lines. And it was hard. Yeah, it would be hard to memorize all that. That's what she was saying. How Zach had a lot of lines, and, and then, it was impressive that he was and, able to do all that. And then Max had so few lines, and yet was still so present in such an important part of the scene. And, and it was impressive. And, and all also was playing. Like, yeah, no, and and was playing a, a woman as a guy. I mean, that can't be easy, easy. I wouldn't think. Well, he wasn't really. That was sort of made clear to him off the beginning because Max played Laura, and sort of off the beginning. Max, our director, we had two Maxes, Max playing Laura and Max Rubin, our director. And Max sort of said to Max, you're not playing her as a woman, just play her as a person. Yeah. And everything else is just what it is. Like, people see her as a woman, people see her as a man, it doesn't matter. Right. Just play her. Yeah. She's just Laura. So, yeah, I didn't really try to be feminine and it really didn't matter, like, no, nobody was, questioned it. Yeah, yeah no, no, he did and, a good job. He did such a good job, and he got like off right off the bat. Right off the bat, he just like had it. It was fantastic. Anyway, all over the world, continue, please. <laughs> Starting with the Vatican, they said they cannot bless same-sex unions as it is a sin. Obviously, so uh, <laughs> obviously. El- Elton John has called them out on it. Because apparently they invested millions in his movie Rocket Man and made millions from it, which is a movie about him finding happiness, being a gay man, and finding a a partner that to live with and become happy. Admitting I his becoming know. gay and becoming happy with his his Canadian boyfriend, husband, I husband, husband. I didn't know that the Vatican made investments. Neither did I. I know, right? Like, I didn't realize they had, like, a business operation yeah, <laughs> going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they got to make money somehow. they got to keep their empire going. Maybe, I guess. But, like, think- in the credits of Rockin' Man somewhere, does it say, like, produced by the Pope? Produced by God. <laughs> yeah. This movie Vatican has been blessed empire? by God. <laughs> With generous donations from God. <laughs> but I love, but that is so hypocritical, which is hilarious. Also... Kudos to Elton John for being a bad bitch and being like, hey, yeah. 
hypocrites. Absolutely. Like, yeah. That, that's hilarious. I feel like, I feel In like, like a weird way. I feel like the church is a lot, there's a lot of sort of hypocritical things that you have to buy into if you're going to be super religious, I think. It's, it's, that's true, yeah. Comes with the, it's all part and parcel, part yeah. of the territory. So anyway, uh, good for Elton. And, and yeah, I, 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 I'm shocked that they did invest in it, I guess, because why you think that they would have read it and been like, huh, not really our scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to pass exactly. on that one. But it is a great movie. I don't know if you guys seen it, but it's very good. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, Europe is looking at topping up their vaccines with the Russian Sputnik vaccine. They're, I think that's a funny well. story to have right before your next story because I'd still rather take... Well, what's your next story? The next one says Germany, along with Italy and France and Spain, has suspended use of the AstraZeneca because of the alleged blood clots. Yeah, see, I'd still rather take AstraZeneca than a Sputnik. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yep. It's just completely within the realm of possibility that Putin's going to use it to somehow control the world masses. I wouldn't put microchip something, you know, like like some Kingsman shit. Put the microchip in all the phones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what Elon Musk is doing. Like he's definitely (laughs) he's definitely a Bond villain. Oh, 100 percent. There's no question. He he is. The villain from Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, he is. He really is. He is. Two years from now, I, I give it two years before he goes full-blown Samuel Jackson from Kingsman. And I was going to play a really good, um, I thought it was good anyway, Bill Maher clip about China and how they're, they're you know, America's falling way behind and stuff. But maybe we'll save that for next week because it's, it's like five minutes on its own, so. Yeah, that's a big conversation. Yeah. So, over to you. Well, my first story comes at you from Turkey, which has withdrawn from the Istanbul Convention. Didn't that used treaty. to be Constantinople? It did. It was. It's, uh, but it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that song too, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the Istanbul Convention is a European treaty that Turkey was actually the first to sign 10 years ago, which is why it's called the Istanbul Convention, um, which states that men and women have equal rights and obliges state authorities to take steps to prevent gender-based violence against women, protect victims, and prosecute perpetrators. And Turkey has said no. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe Turkey just thinks we don't need that convention. We just know that this is... A fact. Yeah, considering that they're under a very right-wing neo-fascist dictator, I doubt it. But I guess maybe. We can always hope. But yeah. it has been criticized recently in Turkey as being contrary to the, the sort of government's conservative approach to state Islam. So I have my doubts about that. No, I'm but sure maybe. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, so that's a shame. To it's be a honest, shame. I'm it is truly a shame to... that you need conventions like that. Yeah, honestly. It yeah, is. that's true. That's the real shame here. Um, but moving on to a better story, a little pick-me-up after that one. 
the Japanese Supreme Court has ruled that the country's same-sex marriage ban is unconstitutional. And it was the only G7 country left where same-sex marriage was banned. Now, I was trying to... I was combing through this article trying to figure something out because in nowhere... It says in the article that the Supreme Court has said that the ban is unconstitutional. But nowhere in the article that it said it is now legal in Japan. And I know yeah. nothing about the Japanese legal system. Really? So, <laughs> I know, like, you know, as soon as the Supreme Court in the United States said that the U.S.'s ban was unconstitutional, then it just became legal. But maybe there's another step that has to happen in Japan, because it doesn't say that it's now legal. It but just, it seems to yeah. be the right direction. It seems that, like you yeah. get someone from Japan and someone from the Vatican together in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Party. Anyway, it's a step in the right direction, and I, I'm glad that they uh, that that happened. Is there a Supreme Court of the Vatican, or is that just the Pope? I think that's I, that's probably I think the, the Council the of Cardinals. Oh yeah, that too. Um, that sounds like know. another I, evil organization. Everything, yeah, everything I know about uh, the Vatican and the Pope, I know from the Da Vinci Code. Movies. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. That's all I know. That's all I got. The one with Ewan McGregor, that's all I know about the Pope. Ewan McGregor was in the Da Vinci Code movie? Not the first one, but he was in um, Inferno. Oh, I don't think I saw Inferno. I've only seen Da Vinci Code. I haven't seen Angels and Demons or Inferno. Oh, you should watch them. They're good. Um, Oh, maybe he's in Angels and Demons. No, he's in Angels and Demons, not Inferno. Inferno's the worst one of the three of them. It's still pretty good. He's the I need to read the I've read Inferno. I haven't read Angels and Demons. I need to. Uh, I just I skip it. I just watch the movie. <laughs> Do me. No, that's fair. According uh, to my father, they are the best. One of the best adapted movies to from the book. So yeah, take that. I don't know. With you. That was bad. I like the first uh, Harry Potter. I think that was well adapted. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree. After that, it kind of like the first three, I would say, were pretty good. After that, it kind of starts getting a little bit more Hollywood and a little yeah. less book authentic. Two and three didn't yeah. have enough Quidditch in it for me, as far as like compared to the book. There was a lot of Quidditch in the book. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But I think as well is that they could have they they sh- they couldn't have. I don't know. There's there's only so many times you can watch a Quidditch game in a movie. Maybe about something other than Quidditch. Maybe. <laughs> I also I. I say this, I played the sport of Quidditch. I love Quidditch. However, I can see why people wouldn't want to watch Quidditch over and over again. Yeah, I, I just, tend to agree. I just felt like there was a, the, some, uh, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sorry, go ahead. Moving on. That is all over the world. It's not a... Um, <laughs> it's not a movie review still, with James and England. Yeah. <laughs> so, back to a less good story. COVID is still happening. And in Brazil, it is pretty much completely out of control as President Jair Bolsonaro refuses to take it seriously. He said, quote, a pandemic is like the rain. Some people will get wet and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, there's umbrellas. (laughs) Yeah. And there's what everyone else is doing about it semi-successfully, depending on where you look. But uh, anyway, the death toll in Brazil is second only to the United States. And Bolsonaro has said to Brazilians, quote, stop whining. He's so caring. (laughs) 
Local epidemiologists are saying that if Brazil isn't vaccinated fast enough, new, more lethal variants could breed in the country and from there reinfect the world. Perfect. No, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, Bolsonaro, he's really, he's a man of the people, you know? He's, he's a, such a humanitarian. <laughs> Why didn't we partner with Brazil for our new green, for the green stuff? Yeah, that's a, that was a missed opportunity yeah. there. <sighs> Could you imagine if Trudeau or Biden came out and said, stop whining? <laughs> I think they would have. They would be like crucified politically. Yeah, or a and pandemic think, is like the rain. Some people yeah. will get wet. Bolsonaro is not being crucified. He is. They have an election either later this year or next year, and he is in a tight race with a very left wing candidate, who I hope wins. Uh, I oh hope. God. God, I hope. But anyway, on that happy note, that is my. That is it for me for all over the world. Everything, everything with you and me was so political. Oh, political. All right, political, which honestly really is the bulk of the podcast, and we might want to rename it to Political Stuff with James and Dylan and the side of other things. That's a catchy title. This rules off the tongue. Um, anywho, last week we talked about Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, who's facing multiple accusations of sexual harassment, a Democrat. He was up to seven last week, and he was saying he wouldn't resign. And uh, he still hasn't resigned. But a current aide, somebody who is currently working for him, has come out and accused him of sexual harassment, making clear that it wasn't, you know, no inappropriate touching, but many inappropriate comments, including looking down her shirt, making comments about her divorce proceedings, and many sexually suggestive comments, which, I, as far as I know, brings the number up to eight accusations. It might be more now. The article didn't say the number, um, so it could be more than eight, but it's at least eight. Despite this, 49% of New York voters want him, sorry, 49% of New York Democratic voters want him to stay on as governor while only 43% think he should step down or be impeached. The remaining 8% are unsure. I don't know if I did good math there. But the fact that the plurality still want him on, uh, people are suggesting, is why he's not stepping down. The fact that the voters en masse haven't really turned on him yet. Well, he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. Yeah, yeah but and also, yeah. like, just because you're a Democrat doesn't make you any less of a misogynist, right? Like... No, you're right. It doesn't. Absolutely. And this is a good reminder of that. I mean, after eight accusations, you'd think people would start to take it a little more seriously. Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd think. But how many, like, how many accusations did Donald Trump have? <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, I guess I just hope did... a little bit more. I, I hope for a little bit more from Democratic voters than I do from Republican That's voters. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Alas, Democrats like, are mostly center-right yeah. I don't think anybody was looking at Trump and saying, oh, I really like everything he's doing, but the allegations, you know. Right. Yeah, that's true. Not. That's very true. But but whereas I would hope, you know, yeah, other people, they'd look at people like Andrew Cuomo and it would be a bigger deal. But yeah. I guess 
still, it's a developing story. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more aides, and, and we'll see what happens. If the numbers start to swing, maybe he'll step down. A glimmer of hope for some conservative premiers in Canada, 21 states are suing President Biden over his decision to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline, claiming that he doesn't have unilateral authority to change energy policies set by Congress. And now maybe there's hope there. Maybe you can make that argument. But he signed an executive order. And isn't an executive order the legal way of the president taking unilateral authority over Congress? Like, isn't that exactly what an executive order is? Yeah, I don't know. 21 states, though. That's a lot. They must think there's something there. Like, it's not like it's two or three states. Yeah, but it's all red states. It's all just blustering, probably. Like, they're just doing it for the political capital. Or at least I wouldn't be surprised if they were just doing it for the political capital. Yeah, or the oil. Yeah. Um, But anyway, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure Jason Kenney has his fingers crossed. Yeah, 21 Um, states in one province. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But somehow I don't have a good feeling about it. Which means I do have a good feeling about it because I don't want it to be built. And I want it to be cancelled. So I hope they lose. And I think they will. Likely. I don't I don't know much about executive order versus congressional policy, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll learn. Let's learn as we it goes. Will. Now, speaking of Jason Kenney, the Conservative Party of Canada had their policy convention this past week. And my next two or three stories are on that. The first one is that party delegates voted to reject a motion that added green-friendly statements to the policy book, including a line that would have stated the party believes climate change is real and is willing to act. It was defeated 54% to 46%, and the policy also proposed including a call to support innovation in green technologies so that Canada could become a world-class leader in an emerging industry. So everyone who's worried about climate change, don't worry, the Conservatives decided it's not real. But that's, well, it's two things. One, how, I don't understand. How do you vote no on climate change is real? Obviously it is. Secondly, not to be, even if even if you don't believe it's real, can't you see that lots of people do and you can take advantage of them by being a world leader in that emerging industry, even if you don't think it's real? Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems like a conservative approach Absolutely. to create a business-friendly environment for green technology Absolutely. as an emerging industry. Yes, it doesn't make that, any yeah, sense. Yeah, like even if you don't believe it's real, um, half of the people prey upon the average consumer. Bigness—that's all bigness business does, regardless of whether or not the people working for the business believe in what the business is doing. Yeah, and the corporations. Half of their job is guess is to make all of their job is to save time and make money, and then getting the average consumer to buy into what they're selling. Absolutely, so I totally agree with you. Is that they're missing their wasted opportunity here? That if if they still if they don't believe climate change is real, because obviously it is, then if then then take the half of the Alberta, take half of Alberta that does believe climate change is real, and then use your policies to push forward a new industry like that makes all of those people kind of roughly get on the same page whether they believe in climate change or not yeah. like you're missing I, you're missing money here you're losing money absolutely which is the I conservative think, thing 
Yeah. yeah. I think it's sort of, I sort of see how they almost didn't have a choice. And that was, and it's their own fault because they've created a narrative in order to get all their votes in the West that if you are for green technology, if you support climate action, that is the same as saying you don't support the oil industry. Mm. So and was this federal or just Alberta conservatives? Federal. Federal conservatives. Okay. Um, it, so it is, they've created a narrative where they say, if you say this, it is the same as saying you don't support the oil industry. And if they come out and, and can be harassed as not being fully for the oil industry in any way they're going to start to bleed voters in the West, which are their only reliable base. Yeah, but I, I do think that is an Alberta thing. I don't think conservatives across the rest of the country would even mm. would relate those things. I, I would say it's at least BC to Saskatchewan for conservatives, and it's like more people in Alberta. I have a question, well, Bill. Yes. Why do you say Saskatchewan when you won't say Arkansas? <laughs> I think I said Arkansas earlier. You did, but <laughs> mom wanted yes, me to ask I said, that. I said a while back, Beverly, that I'm going to call the state Arkansas because that's how it's spelled. And if they want to be called Arkansas, they can change how they spell their name. Oh, my God. Of course you did. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> but same applies to Saskatchewan. No, because it's a it's not a spelling thing. It's a vowel thing and it's cheating um we do it with words all the time and if i were david lee i could explain it to you brilliantly but it has to do with people being lazy and wanting to move their tongue and lips and teeth as little as possible to articulate as little as possible so they will often just go to the closest vowel to the last syllable they pronounced and so saskatchewan is just easier to say in the mouth than saskatchewan saskatchewan whereas whereas arkansas arkansas versus arkansas Arkansas, you're pronouncing sounds that you're adding. You're adding sounds. You're not cheating anything. You're adding sounds. I think I think Saskatchewan is easy. Is is the same? I don't see a difference. Saskatchewan. It's very easy. It's not hard. They just say yeah, it wrong. It's it an faster, A, not an I. Got closer to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. That was closer to Saskatchewan than how it you was said one. Saskatchewan. It ends in one. One. Not win. Not <laughs> Saskatchewan. It's not Saskatchewan. I, 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 okay, I hear what you're saying. I think you're saying uh, Saskatchewan when, and he says Saskatchewan. So he does, he creates a dip, when he says it faster, he creates a diphthong that goes from uh to ah uh, instead of just going from eh uh, all the way through. So you're both right. No, he's wrong. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, what was I talking about? I don't know. Um, conservatives. conservatives. I don't know what you were talking about. Conservatives. Mom anyway, just said. Yeah. Mom. Mom made me bring that up. She. She said. Dad, how come he does that if he won't say that? <laughs> well, there's my very smart, linguistically accurate answer. So yes, they decided that climate change isn't real. So that's easy. Next up, there is divisiveness in the conservative party because the conservatives didn't vote. None of the policies they voted on at this convention were social conservative issues. And Jack Finesca, a project manager, a project manager at the uh, Anti-Abortion Campaign Life Coalition, said he believes the party engineered the policy process 
to stop social conservatives from getting their proposals to the convention for a vote. At past meetings like this one, nearly 100 policy proposals were debated. This year, only 34 were considered by delegates. He said, quote, the party slashed the number of policies that were allowed to advance. Uh, it's our belief that was for the purpose of eliminating socially conservative policies. I think our voice is being suppressed. It's happened at previous conventions and it's happening now. The party establishment obviously doesn't want social conservative policies to make it into the policy declaration. They've done dirty tricks in the past and we believe this is another one. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say about that. Yeah, good. Exactly. I. It makes me happy to see the Conservative Party fracturing, and these are the fractures that they've had always. And the fact that it's not getting better honestly makes me think that the Conservative Party's days are numbered. Because we've talked about this before. It is two parties trying to be one: the socially conservative Reform Party and the socially liberal but fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm progressive conservative party when they merged 2003 they never agreed on um on social issues but they decided to put that away as to focus on fiscal issues but really people get way more passionate about social issues than they do about fiscal issues yeah you can gloss over the fiscal issues yeah Mm -hmm. nobody you know nobody is out there you know splitting up families over the tax rate and how many um you know, income brackets, different income brackets should be taxed versus a flat tax. You know, that's not breaking up families, but opposition to same-sex marriage, abortion issues, women's rights issues, social issues, that is what people get heated about. That is what, mm-hmm. you know, broke up some marriages under Donald Trump and had families who are not talking to each other. So that is not just going to be an issue that the conservatives can just ignore forever. And I mm-hmm. think it means that eventually they will start to bleed social conservative support because there's only so long that social conservatives will accept, you know, representation. Sure. There are social conservative MPs within the party, but no movement on any of their beliefs, you know, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. the social conservative MPs who say they're pro-life, but then abortion legislation never gets touched. Mm -hmm. Right. Ultimately, that I think that'd be good for the conservatives. I, I, I think I think PCs have a better shot at winning more seats as the progressive conservative party with a good leader. Yeah, with Although, a good leader. Nineties, early two thousands would would beg to differ. You know, the liberals dominated because of that split right vote, but the NDP weren't as big. Yeah, and and then. also the, they they went through a, a sort of a weak leadership era for the PCs. Yeah, that's true. And they after after be- after Mulroney, they uh, they 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 were and and at the end of Mulroney, they just it, it just sort of went very unpopular. Yeah. Well, it seems that they might be entering another weak leader review um, or weak weak leader period yeah. because you know Andrew Shear was a slice of floppy baloney, um, and now Aaron O'Toole is getting mixed reviews for his convention speech. Just. Don't you want your bologna floppy? <laughs> I don't yeah, want my bologna anyway. Hard. That sounds horrible. I don't know. Yeah. I don't th- I think I think it means it's old and sta- like I don't think you want it hard. No. Yeah. yeah, that just seems suspicious to me. Yeah. If it's hard bologna. It's not good. Uh, no. Okay, but bologna I don't like that image. Anyway is disappointing is my point. 
That's true. That's true. No matter what your expectations are going in, it was disappointing, and that is the perfect way to describe Andrew Shear. His baloney has a first name. It's A N D R E W. Yeah. S H E R. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, O'Toole getting mixed reviews. Chad Rogers, <laughs> a longtime party strategist and founding partner of Crestview Strategy, said O'Toole's remarks served as the leader's quote big arrival speech to the country. Quote, what he said today is, I'm not the traditional conservative, and I'm willing to welcome you in if you've been skeptical of me or my party previously. It's a good start. However, Erica Baruts, a delegate from Alberta and a vice president of the communications firm Enterprise Canada, said that O'Toole made a solid effort to unite his party's many factions and is more likely now to play it pretty safe in the middle and focus more on the economy. He spent a lot of time trying to speak to these different audiences, she said. I don't know if it was that he was running out of time or couldn't change the narrative quick enough, but it didn't land, I think, as strongly as many folks were hoping. And then further along the spectrum, Jenny Byrne, a former advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper and CEO of Jenny Byrne and Associates, Hmm. said O'Toole's speech failed to make the case for expanding the conservative tent at a critical time. I think that unfortunately for Aaron... He came up a little bit short, considering that the message kind of coming out of the convention today was that we're heading into an election sometime in the next month and a half, what, two to two months. I think this was not a speech that was getting into the nitty gritty that conservative members and swing voters were looking to hear across the country. I got to say, I think Erica Barotes is wrong because I do not believe they put a clock on the leader's speech. Aaron. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Aaron. Two minutes. Get off the stage, big hook. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. He wasn't running out of time. But anyway, that's besides the point. Yeah. So, so mixed reviews. And that's generally not what you want from a leader when you're facing an election soon. Nope, that's true. He is, he is the first socially liberal leader that the modern conservative party has had. Considering that they had Stephen Harper and Andrew Scheer, who were both, you know, former members of the Reform Party, Aaron O'Toole has more of a progressive conservative kind of stance, and it doesn't seem to sit well with the social conservatives. Ah, that's okay. They're they're noisy, but I think they're less in numbers. And the the problem was mm-hmm. they they didn't uh, the PCs. I think lost a little bit of touch with the West and catered a bit to the East because there's so many seats out there. You can't yeah. you can't do that either, you know. I I really you know Beverly Dillon had an an idea a few episodes ago about a revolving parliament, and the more I think about it, I think it's a good idea. Like why not? Basically, basically what I suggested is that we should have two capitals, which is not unheard of. There are countries in the world that have two capital cities, and it should be mm. Ottawa and Calgary, and mm. Parliament should sit there for four years at a time so the same as a a term but not the full term so say you were elected you'd spend your first two years in ottawa and then go spend your last two years in calgary and then there's an election and then after the election the next parliament sits their first two years in calgary moves over to ottawa election Mm -hmm. first calgary and it switches back and forth and that way you know it's it's almost symbolic it has large symbolic value in including the West in the decision making so that it's not so far east. But it is also, I think, a practical value because it makes the federal government more accessible to 
the West. You know, if you're living in Calgary, you can walk up to the steps of Parliament. Uh, you know, if you're living in BC, it's only one province over instead of five. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think I, I think it would do tremendous good. The only drawback is Quebec will be super pissed. Yeah, well, well it doesn't matter Quebec what you do. Quebec is going to be pissed regardless pissed. of what we are. Exactly, exactly, Dylan. <laughs> Quebec is going to be super pissed regardless of what you do. You make any decision, Quebec is super pissed. That just can't be a factor. Yeah. Yeah. You could um, just have Gatineau extend over to cover the Parliament buildings, and then that could be Quebec. Yeah, exactly. Or like right. half the Parliament. Because I don't care if it's in Ontario. I really and truly yeah. don't. And I think most Ontarians don't, because we all know Toronto's the most important city in the country. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Last thing on the Conservatives, they put out a phenomenal tweet that just, I mean, it's not that exciting, but the fact that they tweeted it and the fact it was so obviously a mistake and it stayed up for so long just shows to me how much of a mess they are. They tweeted in like, and I read this in the most scathing tone, Justin Trudeau and the Liberals are more worried about saving Canadian jobs than their own. <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant to say. Yeah, I think I, they meant the I, opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it stayed up on their Twitter page for so long before it got taken down and replaced with the actual tweet, which is, yeah, not what they meant, but somebody got in trouble for that. That's hilarious. Uh, Very funny. That's funny. Yeah. Good laugh. The the important thing is you got to hire, you got to hire young people to do these things. They get their tweets right. You know, that's just some like, you know, it's probably Aaron O'Toole that's in charge of the tweets. He doesn't even know how, I don't know how to do it. I don't, I I don't know how to tweet well. I can't tweet. He's the youngest member of the conservative party. (laughs) Oh my God. He's not actually, but you would never guess it by looking at him, but he is younger than Justin Trudeau. No way. He is. Justin Trudeau is currently the oldest major federal party leader. Wow. That's crazy. At, I think, 51. I think he's 51. Huh. Damn. Anywho, moving on. The NDP has announced a plan to cancel up to $20,000 in federal student debt per student. They're offering new graduates a five-year repayment break, eliminate student debt interest payments for good, place a moratorium on student loan payments during the pandemic, and the party estimates that this proposal would cost $4 billion in the first year and $1.5 billion annually thereafter. This is part of their pitch to gather in young voters because everyone seems to think there's an election coming up. I think it's working in gathering in young voters because I like it as a policy idea. And, you know, people will probably look at the price tag, $4 billion, $1.5 billion annually, and think it's too expensive. But I honestly believe that the amount of money it would recirculate into the economy by not throwing fresh new adults into the working economy thousands of dollars in debt and giving Mm -hmm. them an actual shot to make a living and make it into the middle class would generate so much economic business and so many more tax dollars as we can get into a higher tax bracket that it would eventually pay for itself. It just makes sense. It is incredibly stupid to load the bottom of the economic pyramid as it moves up with debt, 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 because it makes it almost impossible to get to the middle class. 
at the very there's no there's no good reason to be charging interest on those loans at the very least. Yeah, they should be interest free loans. That's what Heather McPherson has been a huge advocate for this, saying that the federal government should not make a nickel off the back of students. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So I'll probably vote NDP. Either NDP or Green in the next election. The Greens have a similar proposal. I mean, it's not because of this policy. I was always either going to vote NDP or Green, but I'm I'm a fan of this policy. (laughs) Obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah, because I don't want to be... My my large amount of student debt and student loan payments that I've had to recently... like I, I think in October, I got my consolidated loan statement which is every dollar I'm going to have to pay back and all the interest I'm going to have to pay on my student loans for the next 10 years. And looking at that, I would love to have some of that forgiven. <laughs> you're the in the NWT is, right though, now, though, right? Sorry? You're, you're living and working in the NWT right now? I am, yeah. So, so some of it, it is does forgiven, get forgiven, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, provincial, that's not federal. Portion. Yeah. Yeah, it is prov- it's provincial, not federal, and it's only a small portion of the loan. So. Oh, I thought you could get the whole thing gone. No, some of it is um, tuition was grant money, and then only I think I have like forty thousand, and eight thousand of that is remissible. So eight thousand of the forty thousand of student loan debt I can pay back through time. Oh, I thought you could and eventually I pay it all back. That sucks. I thought it was way better than that. Oh, yeah, I'm glad, it, I'm glad we moved then. Screw them. You know, it's still better than not. Yeah, I was gonna say I would. Like, if I would grand. love to shave eight grand off of my <laughs> debt. What's actually, I love this proposal, and it's a great proposal. It's what they need to do, and I don't want to make it seem not as great as it is. But I think that that's only federal grants that they have power over, yeah, and it because is. it's. We have territorial grants, Beverly. I don't actually think it would affect us at all. No, I don't think so either. Which sucks. This so, you're voting, con- so you're voting conservative now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This is why, honestly, the federal system where, you know, there's states, provinces, whatever have you, sucks. It's just so stupid that there's, you know, like... The, your way of life is so dependent on where you're living or which government branch you applied for money for, you know? Like, like it just makes no sense. We all live in the same goddamn country. We should all have the same goddamn benefits in healthcare and education. Yeah. yeah. I think I just think the federal system is so flawed because it creates so many more barriers. Did you know, I was talking about this last week, Beverly, it is easier for the UK to get rid of the monarch than it is for us to do it. What? Because in the UK, they have a unitary system. They don't have states or anything like that. So the British Parliament would just have to vote on it, passes Parliament, passes the House of Lords, it's done. That They would do the constitutional amendment. For us to get a constitutional amendment, it has to pass the federal Parliament, the federal Senate, and then every provincial legislature... And then it could do it. Wow. Every single, no exception, it has to pass every provincial legislature. And if even one of them doesn't pass it. I'll be PEI, those buggers. (laughs) 
Damn, that's stupid. I hate that. And speaking of passing bills, the Canadian Senate passed a bill to extend access to medically assisted dying. It is expected to receive royal assent next week, which is two weeks before the court-ordered deadline, or more specifically, the court-ordered deadline after the federal government got four extensions (laughs) from the court on it. But the court said, essentially, to the government, you need to have better medically assisted dying laws. It has to happen. It has to be more accessible. You have this long to do it. And then the government went crawling back four times to ask for an extension. And the court said on the fourth time, this is the last time. And it finally passed the Senate. It's going to get royal assent from, we don't have a governor general right now, so the chief justice of the Supreme Court, and then we'll be good. I don't know exactly where I land on medically assisted dying. I know I don't think it should just be like a blanket ban, but I don't know exactly where the line should be. I tend to trust our Supreme Court. So if they think it should be more extended, I agree. Okay. They more or less make good rulings, more than I would say most other courts. That are less yeah, supreme? Yeah. That are, yeah, that are less supreme. Yeah, medically assisted dying is a, is a tricky one because it, it brings into a lot of, like, it brings in a lot of morality and, and what people view as moral and just and ethic ethical yeah instead of uh, and and what and where different people draw the line yeah for me where it gets a little blurry like if you have an, a physical illness where you are in constant suffering and there's no known cure and like we can treat you it'll help but you might not get any better we don't know you're just going to live like this and you're like this is no life i don't want to live like this so i want to die I think you should have that right because, you know, there's a right to life like there's a right to vote and having the right to do something is also having the right not to do something. You don't have to vote. You don't have to engage in your rights. And so I don't think you should have to live like that. But where it starts to get super fuzzy for me is when it comes into mental illnesses because I don't want to degrade that as any less suffering like it can be immense suffering but because it's a mental illness there's a solid argument to make that your decision making process is impaired and so can you actually make that decision for yourself and I don't know like is there more treatments for mental illnesses than there are for some physical ones like do you just need to explore more options I don't actually know but that's where it starts to get fuzzy for me. It's pretty cut and dry for me when it's a physical illness. But when it comes into mental mm-hmm. illnesses, that's where it gets a little meh for me. Yeah, and then and for me, it, it just that brings into question as well, like the if you have a mental illness and it's inhibiting your everyday life or and all of this kind of stuff, and, and, and it could potentially inhibit your decisions in the view of other people to make those decisions for yourself, then it calls into question, like, who would make those decisions for you if you cannot make those decisions? And then it puts your life into somebody else's hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, for me, before we even start to consider extending medically assisted dying into the realm of mental illness, I want to see more funding and infrastructure for mental health support. Like, yes. Yeah. 
that that is what should happen across the country before we then branch into medically assisted dying for people with mental illnesses. Then I might find it easier to believe that this person has been helped as best as they can by the medical community and there's nothing else to do. Because it's just, we almost have zero infrastructure across the country for to help with mental illnesses. And so that that is for me what needs to happen first before we then start talking about in medically assisted dying. Yeah, I don't think it's zero. There's some infrastructure there, but it, you're right, it needs to be better. And 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 the other thing and but maybe, I mean, maybe this is why they had four extensions. It's not easy. Right? Yeah. You're asking people to make a law that's not easy. And then also, you know, uh, people are going to take religion and stuff into account, which we haven't even talked about. And it's not easy. It, it will yeah. not be an easy law. And regardless of what you write, probably 40% of the population is going to hate it. Yeah. Either for being too lenient or not being lenient enough. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. I, I can understand. I bet you they wanted to delay it till after the election. They probably just couldn't delay it anymore. So now they have to write it, and it'll be a prime target for the uh, other parties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my political. Dad, what do you got? Well, Trump has urged supporters to take the vaccine, which, you know, is surprising on the surface. Uh, just thinking in general, does he, he doesn't care about people, but... I think it's because he thinks he's responsible for the vaccine. So, you know, they want it's almost like endorsing him if you take it because totally. you know, he's, he's 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 he was the one that got got it rolled out, right? With Operation Warp Speed, which is total BS. Like all he said was make a vaccine. Does that take a great leader or just someone who can inhale and exhale? Obviously yeah. make a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Obviously make yeah, a vaccine. Exactly. Nobody thought of that till Trump's oh Oh, a vac- oh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> What's he talking about? Uh, Jared Kushner, uh, who was President Trump's former senior White House advisor. And also husband to Ivanka. Yes. Is praising President Biden for signaling he is open to rejoining the Iran nuclear agreement and said his administration has an opportunity to ensure peace in the Middle East. And I think when you get Jared Kushner's backing, you should probably have another look at it, just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Biden is planning the first major tax hike in the U.S. in 30 years, raising the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28%. Income tax rate on people making over 400000 is going to go up. Expanding the... estate tax and pairing back tax preferences on pass-through businesses. I don't know what that means. And setting up higher capital gains tax for individuals making at least $1 million. So, I mean, uh, this is probably a long time coming. Uh, I don't think it's going to be super popular. At least not with the noisy people. It it, it doesn't affect most people. This is the thing. It doesn't... I don't. Th- I think the vast majority of Americans make less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, but but that's not how the Republicans will spin it, and that is not. And and their base will just believe whatever the Republicans say. Yeah, you know. And then of course the corporate tax going from twenty one to twenty eight. Well, corporations will just pass that buck on to the people that are making less than four hundred thousand. So you got to be a little bit careful there. But but yeah, I don't have any problem with raising four hundred thousand. Seems like a good number to me. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, totally. If you're making more than that, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, exactly. I'd take 400000 If you make less than that, you're doing well. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a whole range under that where you're still doing well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And a CDC review finds the Trump-era guidance on COVID was not based on science. Really? Yeah, shocking, right? I so, truly... Who is spending yeah. money on these reviews? Because I can, <laughs> I can do them for half half what they're paying. I'll, I'll do the reviews. <laughs> half what they're paying in a fifth of the time. <laughs> yeah, like, did, you, did you really need to review that? I don't, I don't quite get that. Yeah, just as soon as they hand you the check. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, wasn't it was not. There you go. That's all. <laughs> You just hand the report, it's like 50 sheets of paper, and there's like one letter yeah. on every sheet yeah. of paper. <laughs> N O. <laughs> uh, I actually have one more story that I forgot to mention. Biden's newly confirmed Housing and Urban Development Secretary, Marcia Fudge, may have violated the Hatch Act the law that limits the political activities of all federal civilian executive branch employees with comments she made during a White House press beef briefing on Thursday. Now, she commented on uh, the Senate race that's coming up in 2022 in Ohio, saying that she thinks they have good Democrats and have a good shot at it. But the U.S. Office of Special Counsel said that the rule prohibits federal employees from using their official titles or positions while engaged in political activity, including any activity directed at the success or failure of a political party candidate for partisan political office or partisan political group. So she's being investigated. And I was really I was reading this article and I was really kind of worried about it. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. And then I read this paragraph from CNN. Under former President Donald Trump, the White House routinely ignored violations of the Hatch Act, most notably from senior advisor Kellyanne Conway, who violated the rule so frequently the Office of Special Counsel recommended she be removed from federal services. A number of former Trump officials, including his trade advisor Peter Navarro, former AG William Barr, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, then acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf and former Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue were all criticized for violating the act, though none were ever reprimanded. So while I hope that the Biden White House generally holds up a higher moral standing than the Trump White House, I'm fine with the comments she made. I don't care. I don't care if she's whatever. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that act, I don't think it had been enforced for the last four years. So why would they start now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see how that goes. This might be the first episode we've done where Good Times, Bad Times was longer than political. Was it really? Yeah, by like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. We need to rename it from whatever it was you said at the beginning. I can't remember. (laughs) Good Times, Bad Times with Dylan and James. (laughs) Alright, cool. Go ahead. Well, in my yeah, in my closer to fine, I yes, as I previously mentioned from earlier in the podcast, I have had my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. And I didn't have any symptoms. I know some people have had like slight bits of fever, some headaches. Um, I just had muscle soreness, just like I worked out 
like I went to the gym and worked out my arms and that only lasted like for two, three days because of course they inject the vaccine right into your muscle. And the whole process was so efficient. They did it um, in Center Square Mall where the old bootlegger used to be. If you guys remember where that is. Vaguely. Vaguely, yeah. By the, in the same building as the library. Um, bootlegger isn't there anymore? No, no. It's been gone for at least six years. Oh. So have I, yeah, so. City Center, City, yeah, City Center Mall is like dead. It's There's nothing there except for the new Tim Hortons. The anyway, Tim Hortons, yeah. Um, I walked in five minutes ahead of my appointment time and I walked out at my appointment time. Nice. So like it was so speedy. You just walk in, they ask you what your, like they, you present your health card and you give your name, what time's your appointment, great. Then you move on to the next thing. They give you the little card and they say, is this your first or your second dose? And I, okay, a great first dose, cool. They fill out the card. Okay, proceed on, cool. Walk up to the nurse, literally sit down boop the shot do you have any questions no i'm good then they boop the shot and then you have to like wait in the waiting area for 15 minutes because if anyone's going to have a negative reaction to the vaccine or like allergic reaction then um you have to then it's easier if you're there with a team of nurses around you um so then there's a bunch of people waiting their 15 minutes after the um after getting their shot and then the nurses would come out periodically and check and everyone feeling okay anyone having allergic reaction and then after those 15 minutes you can leave and that's that nice do they have like cookies in the waiting area or something no uh, probably with the covid rules they can't uh, uh, fair. give anybody yeah. stuff but yeah so i have a little card that says uh i got my vaccine so nice mm-hmm. and when i can get my second dose so that is exciting yeah i'm jealous i'm very jealous Yes, that was my whole closer to fine. It says I'm jealous of Bev's vaccination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's not, it's not lost on me how much of a blessing it is, and how, and like, I, I'm super grateful to be among the first of the general population um, to get the vaccine. So, and Moderna, shout out to my girl Moderna, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, she seems to be the the safest one out of her Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, jury's out on Johnson and Johnson. We haven't heard too many bad negative reviews about Johnson and Johnson, but anyway, I'm, I'm hoping for, Moderna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Moderna. I have a special place in my heart for her yes. considering she's in my body. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, another news, like I'm uh, working two jobs, which is exhausting. And so I'm excited to not work two jobs that I finish those jobs on the, at the end of March, March 31st is my last day. Okay. Um, so then I am taking, taking 10 days off, getting my second dose on April 7th and then flying back to Edmonton on April 10th. So I'm very excited to take a break. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Working two jobs for the last three months. And then I had a third job as well. I was teaching lessons. I was teaching private acting and singing lessons for, all of February, as well as working my two other jobs. So, uh, yeah. With what what age people were you teaching? Some high school, mainly like middle school and elementary school age. Right. My mom has a choir, that, and the kids are like grade eight, grade nine ish, and slightly younger. So I was teaching some of them private, a couple of them singing lessons, and then a couple of them acting lessons, which was super fun. It was a nice application of my degree that I never expected to get within the year of graduating. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's good. Good. That's wild. 
Yeah, that's that's it for me. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I'm 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 very jealous of your vaccine. I'm excited to get mine. This next one, I I really meant to put in parting thoughts. So I'll save it to then. So that leaves me with. I have my first day of studio rehearsals tomorrow, which is the the big show, well, the big show season that we get to do at the end of uh, our school degree, and it's been delayed, delayed, delayed. I should be going into my fourth, fourth studio, third, either the third or fourth, but I'm going into first. Yeah, you're technically, um, actually, you should be a month away from graduating. Yeah. So if, I guess if this was normal, you would be going in, if this was a normal time, you would be approaching tech for your show. Yeah. Your show would go up at the end of March, early April, like ours was supposed to. All right, well, that's not happening. It's my first studio show, but Studio One actually just finished, which was the other half of my class. I use half loosely because it was three people, and then Studio Two has seven. They had, they did Don Juan um, Comes Back from the War. It was very well done, very well put up, a lot of hard work, and I was I had to say it was kind of really cool to see my classmates up there with like you know professional union equity actors and they're just as good they're they are just as good as the professionals and it was very great to see that and because you know i just have so many talented people in my class so well done to hannah julia and sophie for a brilliant performance you uh you got to see it yes they cheated and made seeing the show a requirement for one of our classes so then the university allowed us my class to go see it nice nice that's the way to do it yeah and then and at the last minute, like- they, they did that for the other bfa years as well so some of the third and second years got to see it at the last minute but they made that change halfway through the run is it still planning on no visitors for your shows is that still the plan as of right now but that could change by studio three or studio four because do you do them on does the show go up during the week or on the weekends uh during the week to the weekend, I think it's a Tuesday to a Saturday. Hmm. Uh, I'm just thinking if it's a like if I'm in Saskatoon, I could drive over if people are allowed to see it. You would probably not be allowed to see it. Not Studio Two, at least. Maybe by Studio Three or Four. Hmm. Maybe. Probably not by Studio Three. Maybe by Studio Four. Right. Um, um, I know that. Sorry, this is back to Don Juan. Uh, I know that it got recorded. Can Can we see it? Can I see it? Yeah, I, yeah. If you message one of the people who are in it, they have access to the links. Uh, I'm, they will happily send it to you. Okay, I've messaged Julia, but I don't think she's responded. So I will maybe message somebody else. <laughs> or message Julia again. Yeah, Sophie's okay, pretty quick cool. on the draw with responding. I'm good. All right, well, I already did mine. It was short. <laughs> and now the end. All right, parting thoughts. Dylan, yours is super long, so why don't you go first? It is, and I actually have more than that because that thing that I put up that I should have put down. So the first thing... I have no idea what that means. I I put it in closer to fine, but I meant for it to be in parting thoughts. Oh. And this is almost political, but it's less of a news story and more of a judgment on my part, so I put it in parting thoughts. (laughs) The conservatives, I've noticed, have spent a lot of their PR recently criticizing the liberals for not having released a budget recently. And in fairness, by recently, I mean any time within the past two years, it is the longest a federal government has gone without releasing a budget. And that's not great. That is something to criticize. But it is all the conservatives are talking about right now. (laughs) 
And I have to say, right now, I'm honestly a little understanding of why the budget isn't their priority. And there are other things, I think, that isn't the Liberals' priority. And there are other things, I think, that are more pressing that they should be criticized on other than spending every tweet you make on criticizing them for not releasing a budget. And to me, it just shows the Conservatives' priority. They don't care about the human toll. They don't care about the social toll. They just want to know how much it's going to cost. And if it's too much, then they'd rather we let people die. Or maybe they just want to know to make sure that you have the money to pay for for it. We don't. We all know we don't have the money to pay for it. We're going into massive <laughs> debt. The deficit's never been bigger. We all know this. But the thing is, we don't have a choice. It doesn't matter how much it costs right now because the money has to be spent. I'm sure, I am 100% positive that the Liberals aren't spending the money in the best possible way. I'm sure there is stuff falling through the cracks. They are probably doing a half-assed job. Yeah, but, but that and, doesn't change the fact that it still needs to be spent. Yeah, but that it could be spent better if you had a budget and a plan. Yeah, but I also just think the Conservatives would be spending it worse. So when they complain about it, I don't buy it. They may or may not, but if you don't have a plan, you're going to waste money. And without a budget, yes. you're going to waste money. They, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and that is In times of crisis, you absolutely need a budget, not, uh, we'll worry about that later. Well, and that's why, I mean, like I said, I think it's a valid thing to criticize, but I don't think it should be the only thing you're talking about. Well, and no, there's, not there's lots of criticism to go program. around, but I think it kind of is because, you, like I said, you need to have the plan. If they knew how much, you know what I mean, if they had the plan to lay out, this is what we're doing then, this is what we're doing then, this is what we're doing then, because it's not just how much it's costing, it's laying out a process, then maybe there's something that you could follow as far as vaccination rollouts and whatnot. But there isn't. It's seat of your pants governance at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it, it's it's focusing on the wrong aspects of the crisis. There's no plan is the issue, whether that plan be financially or, or practically, but they're tied together. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, mm-hmm. yeah, they absolutely, it is a bit of seat of your pants governance. Anyway, my next story is the fact that Conrad Black can just shut the fuck up. In general, we don't need to hear from Conrad Black anymore. Conrad Black, for anybody who doesn't know, he founded the National Post, he writes opinion pieces for them, and they're all terrible. And he recently did a piece called The Truth about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I'm not going to read much of it because it is the type of vile crap that needs as little promotion as possible. And while I'm generally against suppressing news media, this article should be suppressed. But I'm going to read the opening paragraph just to give you a taste and so we can maybe understand why I'm so upset. It says... It is shocking and dangerous that the final report of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, published in 2015, has been so widely accepted as a full accounting of native grievances and the basis for policy changes and reparations to accommodate those grievances. Almost the only serious critical analysis that has been given to this massive report is the excellent and very readable book, From Truth Comes Reconciliation, Every Canadian concerned with Canada's relationship with its Aboriginal peoples, which forms the basis for the rampant but fraudulent truism that this system is rotten with, quote, systemic racism, should read this book. 
there is general agreement, as there should be, that Aboriginal people have legitimate grievances, that the country's policy in regard to them has been unsuccessful, and that this is a serious policy challenge uh, where we simply have to do better. Justice Murray Sinclair, who chaired the commission, promised to, quote, provide Canadians with a permanent record that weaves all experiences, all perspectives, and into the fabric of truth. He and his fellow commissioners, Chief Wilton Littlechild and Marie Wilson, fell grievously short of delivering on that promise. That's just the first paragraph. And the first thing that really stood out to me, and it may seem like a small thing, but I think it's important, and I couldn't find it throughout the other article, he never uses the words indigenous. It's always either native or aboriginal. And right there tells me that his perspective is dated, that he has not kept up with the modern view and facts of indigenous relations in Canada. And I don't understand why he thinks he knows more about the experience of um, indigenous peoples in Canada and the relationship between Indigenous peoples of Canada and the Canadian government, then a panel combined of a member of the Canadian government and members of the Indigenous population that went and investigated the lived experiences, the lived experiences of real people who went through this system of residential schools, of oppression by the Canadian government, and the documented history of what the policy towards Indigenous people was, yeah, I don't know why he thinks he knows better than that panel. Why has he looked at it and decided, no, that's wrong? Like, what was your actual research? Because it seems that this is just pure opinion. Like, maybe you skimmed the Truth and Reconciliation Report and you decided that it wasn't fair or accurate. What are you thinking? Do you think that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was lied to? That that wasn't the experience of the vast majority of indigenous people in this country? Because why would they lie? What is the point of that? Because to me, that is racist. If you're just assuming that they're all liars or they're all trying to cheat the government or they're all trying to get something, that is comes across to me as racist. And it seems to me to be the opinion of a small-minded individual who really needs to go back to school to re-educate himself on the history of this country. And until that happens, he really needs to stop writing. And at the end of the day, he sacrificed his Canadian citizenship in order to become a British lord. So I think he can just stop commenting on Canadian matters altogether and go sit in his useless little chamber in the British Parliament, take absurd amount of money for voting on nothing. Conrad Black can shut the fuck up. What? I don't understand. He says, there is general agreement, as there should be, that Aboriginal people have legitimate grievances, that the country's policy in regard to them has been unsuccessful, and this is a serious policy challenge where we simply have to do better. Yeah, so then how does he come out against that later on? I don't understand. Like, that, 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 that is... Obviously, there's systemic... Like, that is what they're talking about when they say the racism's built into the policy. That's exactly what they're talking about. He, he makes the case for the commission in that sentence, I think. Yeah. So I don't well, understand. Idiot. So <laughs> beyond there I don't get where he then flipped. I don't understand I, I don't know. It's bizarre to me. Well, maybe maybe like I'm just trying to think about like thinking about this. I think he's maybe coming from the place of like like all of matter people in the sense because he's going, yes, 
people get like he's going this they have a the, a reason to have grievances with the policy and the government for sure but it's not like it's racially motivated it's not because of systemic racism it's just that they were like screwed over by the government you know like it, it's probably coming from the privileged place of like it's just the government screwing you over instead of like they're specifically targeting you and oppressing you for thousands like hundreds of years since the landing of, of colonial settlers in canada and then this is a direct result because of the systemic racism that exists. It's not like it's it's just like oh, it's just simple. The government screwed you over. Yeah, like Maybe. like they were the target of racist individuals in government, and it's not that the system itself is racist. Yeah, exactly. Also, an idiotic thing to say because you think the racist people who you're say are admitting were racist who founded the country didn't build. A racist system. A racist country. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. So, like, Conrad Black, if you're listening to this podcast... I think he does. You can shut the fuck up. <laughs> he probably doesn't anymore. Yeah. Uh, this will be the last one. Yeah, not after the personal attack. He'll get through the whole thing and then be like, well, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is my anger-filled speech for today. All right. Well, yours is exciting, so I'll do mine next. Uh, I'm I'm back in in Saskatoon right now, and last time I, I mean you, you probably don't know, but I, I rented a car while I'm here. I rent a car while I'm here now. And last time I got a Charger, which was super nice. So this time I got a Passat. It's it's fine, but I do I do miss the Charger. And now it's really nice weather, so it'd be nice to have the Charger. But anyway, I made two mistakes when I made the reservation. The first one, I forgot about the time change so typically the flight leaves toronto at nine ish and it gets into saskatoon about eleven thirty, and about 12 o'clock i get my rental so the same thing happens i came in a little early but then because of the time change and and spring forward i i actually landed at 10 instead of 11 or yeah quarter after 10 instead of quarter after 11 so i went to and this is what this is also where my second mistake comes in i went up to the enterprise rental counter and i'm like yeah, I'm, i i rented a car i'm a little early i forgot about the, the time change what's your name i gave him my name and he says and he's you know he, he couldn't find it he couldn't i'm like i have a rental number he says okay give it to me so i gave him the rental number he goes oh you rented at the airport road location not the airport so it's like, oh. oh my gosh. It's like a kilometer and a half away. So I had to grab my bags. I guess I could have hopped in a cab, but I walked up the road a kilometer and a half <laughs> up to dragging my bags up to the other. It's like punishment for being stupid. Up the road. There's no sidewalks. So I'm like walking down the road with my two bags. And, uh, and I finally get to the other, the other enterprise location, which I think, I, I really think they should change the name of one of them. Like, if, if you have airport in the name of two locations, it's a problem. But anyway, yeah. The uh, I got there, and and so now it's maybe quarter to eleven, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here for my reservation. He's like, oh, well, you said you didn't want it till eleven thirty. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little early. He's like, well, I don't have the car yet. It's coming in later. <laughs> so. So I had to call somebody to come get me, and then and then in the end the car came before he got there, so I had to send him back. But anyway, I got the car and it's all good now. But uh, but it was a bit of a challenge to pick up the car this time. 
you had an adventure. Oh my god! It was. It was. Yeah, it was an adventure. Ah. Anyway, Beverly. Yes, my parting thoughts. Uh, I am uh, officially moving to Toronto in mid-May ish. Hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so Dylan's That's former roommate Caitlin. It is very exciting. Slash my BFA classmate Caitlin. Uh, it lives in Toronto, and a room came up in their house, and they sent it in a message in the group chat, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm thinking of moving to Toronto." So I messaged them, and I was like, "Hey." I'm thinking of moving to Toronto. And then I had an interview with their roommates um, who are both very nice. So now I'm moving in to, I'm moving to Toronto. This is Dylan's, Dylan's roommate, Dylan's roommate, Caitlin. Yeah. Dylan's roommate, Caitlin. Okay. Whereabouts do they live? Gladstone Avenue. So near Dufferin Mall. Okay. In like Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. Which is also coincident. Oh, it's, um, it's like, Solid chance you won't be able to clarify. I don't know Toronto well. That's fair. It's near the U of T. So, like, it's, it's about a half an hour walk to the U of T. Okay. Is everybody BFA? Are they all actors or actresses? No. Oh. No, so just Caitlin's an actor. And then, or, yeah. Um, and then uh, there's Claire. So she's doing her master's in music technology at U of T. And then Cole is in um, doing a master's of education. Oh, wow. So. Or an after ed degree. I can't remember which one, but um, yeah. Are you allowed to move there if your name doesn't start with a C? Caitlin, uh, Cole, and Claire. I don't know. Yeah. Do I, they I, know? It took me a second, but do they know? Uh, I yeah. I, I don't know about that one. Maybe if uh, maybe I'll just pretend my name is um, cleverly in, instead yes. of Beverly, just to make sure <laughs> no. I fit in. You move in there. Your name starts with B. You're automatically in charge. B comes before C. You take over. That's true. Is that why you that put your hand up to say that? No, it was an accident. In the back. Anyway, so it's very exciting. And it also, the place that I'm moving into happens to be like two streets over from where my mom used to live uh, in when she went to university. Oh, wow. So, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a full circle moment. Do you, yeah. have, cool. do you have family around there? Like your mom's relative live around there or something? Yeah, um, my mom's sister lives in Markham. Uh, my mom's parents used to live in Scarborough. And uh, the rest of her family lives in, like, Hamilton. I think some people live in uh, Bell, not Belleville. I forget. But I know uh, Hamil- some people live in Hamilton and yeah. some people live in, my aunt lives in Markham. There's, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have any sort of leads on gigs? Nope, none. I'm just <laughs> Well, That's it. I found. I'll, uh, I'll figure. Oops, my phone. I'll figure it out when I get there. I am starting to apply. I think part of the month off that I'm taking, I will apply for some jobs to see if I can get something before I get down there. We met a um, David's uh, BFA uh, student in David's T in the city. Oh, nice! Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and oh. now that I have serving experience, retail experience, and admin experience, so I have three avenues of of job prospects. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and there's lots of there's lots of stuff to do downtown, so I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. 100%. That'll be good. Yeah. I know I know Caitlin works at Caitlin works at the grocery store like down the street, so. Is there is no. it a big place or is it an apartment or a house? Or? No, it's a it's a house. Yeah, it's a house. It's um it's like a top floor. So there's a basement suite underneath of us. Okay. So there's shared laundry between the whole house and right. then um there's four bedrooms upstairs and then one bathroom and then kitchen, dining room and living room and that's the 
unit. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, and it's pretty. Yeah, it is exciting. It's pretty, you know, well renovated and uh, pretty nice. The room is a little small, but it's Toronto. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to have the same size room that I do in Edmonton and Toronto. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, if you need anything, you know, Jean will help you. She's oh, absolutely. She's nice like 100%. that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'll just call her up and be like, "Hi, Jean. Um, yeah. Then can you uh, get me life insurance?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. She made me send Dylan right, money today, so there you go. Hey, can you, like, I, just, I, I accidentally killed someone. Can you help me hide the body, you know? Just neighborly favor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, like the uh, car in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We shan't say more, just in case. <laughs> They're parents who still don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Ah, uh, yes, well, Beverly, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Joy. It was, it was nice to have uh, 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 another viewpoint, another yeah. voice. I was thinking we might challenge ourselves one day and invite a conservative on. Nah. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> who? Oh, I mean, who? Do you know any? Yeah, I don't. I, I have no idea. I don't know many. I don't know any conservatives. You know actors, so they could play one. I, I mean, I'm probably one of the farthest right people you know. Yeah, and... You're center left. <laughs> oh, I, you are one of the furthest right people I know. Uh, anyway. Alrighty. Well, thanks again, and we will talk at you again next week.